this armistice to be worth anything, then the person representing the chain has to be proven credible. And the only way that that can happen is if he or she functions completely independently of you and tries you for your crimes. Excuse me? They're well documented. You've never stood trial because no one's been able to compel the chain. You're staring at the past. I just drew you a real map to the future. The past is the only light with which we can see the future. Your willingness to do this will send a message, and I promise you I will not let anyone forget that. It's just more abstractions. The past cannot be undone. But it could be made right. We all had to make hard choices because of the burn. Spare me your judgment. Sarah, I want peace. I want the Federation to join the chain, and I want to learn from your great society. The burn has left us with a legacy of, of fear, of isolation, of scarcity that still clouds our moral clarity, a clarity that I fight for on a daily basis, and I ask my people to die for. So if that's the reason that we can't reach an accord today, well, I can live on it. You're making a mistake. Sarah, your people are good. I beg you to be as good as they are. I can promise you justice. Oh, I can promise you the same. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me in a complex negotiation with their lies being detected are... Bill Woiwad. Adam Bowen. Emily Bowen-Marler. And Rudy Kuzbaker. Strange New Takes is a Star Trek-themed podcast, and we named it after the new upcoming show, Strange New Worlds, but that's not going to be out for a couple years, so uh, we're just starting early and uh, covering all the current Star Trek shows right away. Today, we are super excited to bring you our strange new takes for the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. There is a tide, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) You should all follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, because we know you all are on social media. And you should also tell your friends about us, because the more people who know about us, you know, the more our perspectives will be shared in the world. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes because that actually helps us appear higher when people search for a Star Trek podcast to listen to. Spoiler warning. So this uh, episode, basically every time that we talk together and all sorts of other things, we're just going to be spoiling the current episode, which is There is a Tide dot dot dot. Uh, We will also be spoiling any other previous Star Trek things and then maybe random bits of West Wing. So uh, (laughs) if you are the kind of maniac that just wants to be spoiled for everything without ever having seen a single episode of Star Trek, join us. But uh, otherwise, uh, if you've seen it, uh, let's get going. 
So this week, as you said before, we're going to be talking about an episode named There is a Tide. I actually have some insider information that this was originally supposed to be a three-part episode. There was going to be There is a Tide. Next one was going to be There is an Ajax. The third one is going to be There is an Arm and Hammer. And the or the fourth planned part, There is a Game, didn't happen. So, uh, you know, we, we just... <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I think they were just... Yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. It took you a little long to like catch on, but anyway. <laughs> um, episode summary. After capturing the USS Discovery, Asira seeks a meeting with Admiral Vance while Burnham and the crew must overcome unimaginable odds as they attempt to regain command of their ship. Uh, this episode is the 12th of the third season of Discovery. It is written by Kenneth Lynn, directed by Jonathan Frakes. In-universe date is 3189. And by the way, if y'all haven't noticed already... These last three episodes of the season used to have different names when the episode titles were announced. This one was originally called The Good of the People. And now, of course, it's There's a Tide. I don't get this renaming. Like, was it, if they were trying to hide something from us, I, I don't know what they were hiding. It's mm-hmm. kind of, it's, yeah, I don't. I have an opinion on that, which I plan to introduce in my strange new take. Okay. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Let, let's just go there, right? Like, <laughs> let me I hear What's, yeah. your. What, what are your strange new takes? Today we're moving you along, not no. <laughs> um, anyway, so my general take um, in the quest of trying to determine if Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not, I watched the first three, and it was interesting to go back through um, the '80s and the '90s. Loved some stuff. And then also realized that uh, we've come a long way in the last 20 years um, as a people. So, yeah, I'm <laughs> <fun> watching. <laughs> just in general. It, just in general, especially the Die Hard 3. Um, it was an interesting movie to watch. And uh, my disco take, um, which is in relation to the title that I kind of just stumbled upon right now, um, is R2.2.3. <laughs> or something, <laughs> right? So, lovable droids in, in Trek. Um, interesting. And does that have anything to do with the three dots at the end of the episode title? What do you guys oh. think? Oh! oh. oh. Bloody hey. hell! <laughs> dot, That's kind of cool dot, if it is. Dot. And I, you know, I, like I, it. I didn't think of it, but when I went dot, 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 I'm like, that sounds familiar, so... Huh. And did you notice the dots had, they were red, blue, and yellow? Did you all notice like their oh, color? Oh, no. I saw that there was multiple the colors. Lights. I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. connect that they had, yeah. So it's like the emergency d- command robot. Yeah. Dude, I legit don't think anybody has picked up on this online either. So I'm going to like make a little you graphic or something. You heard it here first. Yes. You, you got to send this wow. episode out. Yes. Yeah. That's incredible. Well done. All right. We just start streaming it right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess I'm going to go with my strange new take. Uh, so I had a real-world take, and then I started listening to last week's episode, and Rudy <laughs> took it from me. Uh, I won't explain, but all the real fans out there know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for the episode take, uh, season... Uh, I'm going to say season three doesn't have a villain. Uh, This whole season has been about our crew learning to deal with their own own emotional baggage after their jump into the future. While we made a lot of judgments about the the people in the future when we arrived, the reality is it's just a bunch of people trying to do their best. 
except Ooh. for bad con remake he just sucks <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay um <laughs> uh, i'm sorry i missed the chicken stories oh <laughs> uh, well the, 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 they they just turned three so uh that would have been my my strange new take uh if i Aww. had been here the past two weeks see th- this is why the chicken stuff is so great adam because everyone else <laughs> Like on this podcast and like just in the world doesn't know anything about chicken. So I just chickens can live to be three. Who knew? I didn't, you know, uh, <laughs> is that that seems like old for a chicken to me, but I, I don't know. Um, OK, I'm going to get really strange with my take. Um, I find the argument that human self-awareness is an illusion to be pretty compelling. I would probably buy the over under on that. Um so nothing we do matters, you guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. What's happened has happened. Uh, so nobody's seen Dennis yet, of the, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have. Okay. Um, actually, that. Well, never mind. I, I won't go get into that. Um, so uh, yeah, I thought there was just really good action in this episode. I thought it was really well paced and pretty fun. And I'm usually not like big into action, but I thought it was well executed. All right. Well, my strange new take is that it is really concerning just how much dog urine might be flying in my face every time I shovel. Because <laughs> when I shovel. The next day, I find a bunch of, you know, yellow spots where dogs have done their business. And then that gets covered by snow. And then as I'm shoveling, I lift that snow, throw it behind me, and then there's all this fine snow dust. And it makes me think oh. about that. And it, it's very disturbing, you know, when you when you really give it a lot of thought. I think this might be the number one problem with Midwestern winters in my mind. Anyway, uh, my strange new take on this episode is that they made negotiating interesting and compelling and I kind of wish that this episode didn't have have its B-plot so that we could just have Osira and Vance. Like, my dinner at the Federation, you know, basically. Uh, the hour and a half long movie of Osira and Vance sitting at a dinner table talking to one another. I would have watched that and written by these by by, uh, by Kenneth Lynn. I think that would be good. Okay. My strange new take is I super love my kid, but... I have discovered that the way to really be ready to go back to work is to spend 24 hours, seven days a week with a toddler. So I'm ready to go back to work. (laughs) He's awesome, though. He's awesome. Um, And my strange you take for the episode is I'm... The very first thing I thought of in this episode was, did they do Osira a disservice in the way they introduced her in mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. the season? Mm-hmm. So that's that's my, that would be my strange you take. We can talk about it more as we go on in our episode. We should. We absolutely should. And we're going to in maybe just a few seconds here because we're going to talk about in-depth episode with which always starts with story and writing uh first thing i just want to point out jonathan frakes directing an episode you know when that pops up on your screen you just know it's gonna be good right 
I, yeah. I, I don't know. Insurrection might be the only thing that he's directed that I might be like, eh. I, I know there's <laughs> at least one you. person on this podcast who loves that movie. So, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I actually super, I super love that movie. I, I, every time I'm sick, it, it's Insurrection that makes me feel better. <laughs> There you go. Do there you fast you go. forward? Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. Never mind. He's not talking about the movie. He's talking about overthrowing the government and insurrection makes him feel better when he's sick. Yeah, I just, I just buy lots of guns online on the dark web and yeah. <laughs> so I have year one written here in the notes. And I don't know what that refers to because someone else put that in there. Oh, year one. I did not put year one oh. in there. It's what a mystery. Who has broken into our notes? <laughs> apparently, a... nobody put it in there. Okay, all right, we'll move it, on. It was a ghost, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, and now I'm just like, what was supposed to be after that? Like year two, three? Like, what, Isn't what was this? Okay, well, the A plot in this episode was obviously the negotiation, right? Like Vance and Asira uh, talking it up uh, with their replicated x waste and uh the b plot was burnham on discovery with you know shenanigans involving stamets and the bridge crew i almost broke this out into burnham and stamets and then what the bridge crew did but i think that they were related enough that you could really just call it one big b plot and let's talk about that a plot first and i think emily your starting point about osiris is 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 probably the best one to jump out off of well so it was so I was guilty of this. I completely 100% dismissed Osira and was like I have no interest in learning more about her. She just kills her nephew because she has the opportunity to. She's just evil and bad for evil's sake. And I feel like they did not need to introduce her that way. I mm-hmm. and and I'm tired. Uh, I feel like that's lazy. Um if you want to introduce a compelling uh foil for your for your uh main cast for your protagonist or, or however I don't necessarily want to call her the villain now and how we're watching you know like what we saw unfold in this episode but um, she's just way more interesting the way they presented her in this episode than they did the, they just did her a disservice and so um, and I don't know if they meant to do that or I, you know, I don't know why I don't know why they introduced her that way because yeah yeah like th- this episode was just a really good example of how you can have characters that all have good intentions, but they can have like severe disagreements with each other and they can have like very different approaches to like how they get things done and whatnot. But it it doesn't have to be that one of them like wants to destroy the Federation and like uh, turn everyone on earth into stone or whatever, or like blow up Vulcan. Like it it can be that it's just like, I've been doing my best and we, we do what we have to do, have to do in order to get by. I know I've like, taken advantage of some things but i had to uh and like we i i don't know i i just i felt this whole thing was just very compelling where the entire episode i wasn't sure who was in the right in mm-hmm. almost any of the scenes like we we had um we had lots of uh there's lots of moments where uh vance is taking a stance on something and i'm and i'm unsure like we don't have to go into thinking that he's a bad moral but maybe he's making the wrong call on certain things or he's like pushing too hard in certain areas where he shouldn't or is distrustful where maybe it's just prejudices that are getting in his way. But yeah, like Emily said, the the way that she's introduced is just like this maniacal one-note villain. Uh, it 
like we kind of have to forget that that's how we got to know her in order to really believe this negotiation situation. What do y'all think what? about the way she assassinated Rin at the end, though? That's a, the, I mean, that's the thing. Like they, they kind of well, you they kind of did the Ben Linus thing. I feel like I know I keep going back to Ben Linus, but I just think he's such a well crafted villain. I guess you know, um, where you have moments of compassion and then they go and do something and you're like, what did you just do? Like, did you really, I, I thought maybe you had changed or, or I thought maybe you had a different perspective. I mean, that just seems to me like a fit of rage and showing that she still has power in this. I don't know. Yeah. She could have used so, him. So, I thought even if she didn't, you know, didn't get what she wanted from him at that point, I think she could have used him later, but I, yeah. I think that that's an interesting point, but I don't want to get too far off into the end because there is some mm-hmm. establishing stuff early in this episode that mm. I wanted us to talk about in the context of a cider. Because here's my question about how she was introduced. I think, Adam, your point is a good one, that she is somebody who is essentially has reacted to the burn in a different way to help her people than the Federation has, right? She's gone in this other direction where ruthless power is what she needs in order to make sense of the world and the system she has created around herself embody that. But without the introduction, I don't know if I would have doubt... Like, throughout this episode, I think a source of tension is you're not sure if Osiris is just lying and Eli is broken. Like, has she come up with this super secret way that Vance's lie detector can be faked? And and that, to me, was such a compelling, like, thing to think about that I just didn't know where I was sitting in terms mm-hmm. of, like, through the whole scene. And I think if if we had had a more nuanced Asira before, or if Vance had been more predictable before, because I think, y'all, Emily, you've talked about how you weren't sure if the Federation was good or bad in this future. I think if those if those pieces had been in place a little bit with more some more clarity, I don't think the tension would have been quite as much in this episode. And another thing that I think was clever on the part of the production was they, in their preview even, made it look like this was going to be one of those, like, the Federation gets taken over. They showed, like, a Osira marching into the, like, HQ. And it, I assume that this is going to be, like, some sort of, like, Crimson Tide movie thing where, like, the Federation officers have been locked in a basement and Vance and his security officer have to, like, break out of it and stuff. Instead, they're sitting around a table chatting. Like, it's... I don't know. They, they subverted my expectations, to use a very overused cliche. And I I saw some tension out of that, but maybe, maybe that wasn't... Uh, the way some of you saw it. I, I don't know. I kind of wanted to ask about that source of tension for you and where you found it. I still don't believe her, though, by the way. I I think... I, I mean, I don't know if... I don't think she was lying, per se, but whatever she said could be true, like the 15-year walk back, right? Uh, from those 50 occupied worlds and all of that. But maybe she's just playing a set of cards that she has and... It, it kind of takes me back to Giorgio and how we felt about Giorgio with all that bad blood on her hands from the Terran universe. Um, and and then we went through a whole exercise of cleansing her and then um, getting her out, out of the show in a, in, a, in a nice way. And now we're kind of back again with, it was it okay for Osara to do what she did? But there is a lot of blood, bad blood on her hands. And I don't know. Well, like, enslaving people is wrong you know i mean like clearly there are there are things that are not morally ambiguous you know like like you can um 
you can make a decision different from a decision that I would make. And that doesn't necessarily make that decision morally questionable, but there are some decisions that could be made that are morally questionable. Right. Um, but I, I think this, uh, what I found compelling about this negotiation is it really shone a light on how perhaps, well, I found it in the negotiation and, and I can't remember his name, but, uh, Kenneth Mitchell's, uh, character the doctor Aurelio. Aurelio. um he kind of uh the way he talked about osira kind of shone a lot of light on this as well but um that both the federation and the emerald chain well we know the emerald chain but the federation also has made decisions that perhaps were not decisions that they would have made had the burn not happened and and could have it's the stage has been set and and perhaps Things they haven't told us exactly what those decisions are, but we're starting to see that maybe they that the Federation also has made some morally questionable decisions and has done um, has done some things that maybe were not at the heart of Federation principles. Um, but also that it's not just the Federation that has done things that's been in the interest for a wider network of people. Perhaps the Emerald Chain has also made decisions that really were at the heart of those decisions, trying to help the most people and trying to. So and I thought that was that was one of the most compelling things about the negotiation. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty much where I, I land too. like there's and, and, and I think there could have been more subtle ways to show some of this like because I, I think I'm, I'm very much agreeing with Emily that like they made her too one-sided before like that it, it's and I, I think it, it would have been more interesting to have kind of a the, all the things that we've heard that are bad about the emerald chain are sort of like distortions of what's actually happened but it seems like a lot of the things where we learned that something that they did something terrible is like oh she's like oh yeah I, I did that yeah I totally enslaved lots of people and yeah, I, of course I like uh, threatened all these people with extinction by uh, uh, using or with the pesticides and whatnot. Um, but she doesn't want to pay for any of that. Yeah. So that was that yeah. was also something that kind of was like. Mm. Sorry to interrupt. So, I just no no. no. Yeah. So I agree with both of you in that she was too one dimensional in the beginning, right? If they had if they had introduced her with that dichotomy of like before she kills her cousin, like. You know, she's around people that are happy with her or grateful to her. Um, then you continue that forward. I I guess it would not make the negotiation that much more like, oh, this is not a one-dimensional character anymore and there's depth and goodness to her, as you're saying, Notch. Or maybe there's like, you know, hands tied kind of a situation. But I, I mean, for me, I didn't, I didn't believe it, right? I, I just thought that she was trying to get out of a tough situation. Bill, what's your what's your take at the core problem in this negotiation? Vance versus Osira. What do you think the two sides were in in this negotiation? Well, I I don't want to jump the gun too much, but I'm intrigued by Vance and his Vance bluffing, and also I'm going to jump the gun. What's the deal with the president? Like, where <laughs> is is there a president? Or yeah, it seems I, like there isn't. I had the same uh, would question. Would be my guess, but uh, not totally clear. And then yeah, I, did I, Vance I, at the end intentionally sabotage it by asking her to basically go to jail? Um, it, wow, it that's something I had like not thought did. about. Yeah, I mean, of course she. You know, I mean, it, it, so I I think 
you know, these the basic tropes are pretty common, actually, right? You have the bad guy, and then you actually learn that they're more complex, right? Which is good. That's an improvement. Um, and then, you know, the trope, we'll see if they follow it, but this ha happens in, like, every other episode of Star Trek. You meet the people, and you think they're good, but then it turns out they're really bad in the end. And so we'll see, you know, it may be that they get double-crossed. I think that would not be quite so interesting. I think it's it's a really interesting notion that they would actually have this kind of complex diplomacy and try to reconcile with an enemy um, who maybe does have blood on their hands. But, um, you know, I think this this type of thing has happened in human history many times. So interesting to think about. Yeah, and I, and I think actually if it turns out that there is a complicated thing like uh, there is no president and Vance is like, like has seized control of the civilian government. Like mm. that. I think that there is still room, even in that like seemingly super evil version of the Federation. I think there is room for that to be explained as kind of a, like, this is what we had to do in this situation. Like, I know that this was a bad thing for me to do. Uh, the entire, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be something where the entire Federation becomes bad, but uh, we could at least, I, like I, I can see us like sort of trying to complicate the emerald chain by saying like, hey, they they've been working a lot on different scientific advancements. Like, uh, yes, they have made morally reprehensible choices in certain areas, but like for the vast majority of the of their people, they try to do right by them. And then we have for, for the Federation where it's it's sort of like it it looks like when you're in the Federation that everything is all good, but if you look at how they've been acting. Uh, they've made some very questionable choices, and I, I think there's uh, there's something that we can thread in there that doesn't turn it into just that he's a bad moral and that this it's all been a secret ploy to like get Saru to like genocide some children or whatever. Like, sorry, uh, I just one thought that I have to share. So the the emerald chain is China, right? Yeah, I I I, th I think that the 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 point of this episode was something along the lines of. It, it's more that this is a government that might be authoritarian, but has been trying to do certain things where they might ju have justifications for what they're doing. So, Whereas previous previous episodes are more like uh, they're like Hitler, and I I don't think that I think this episode is it's more like it's an authoritarian government that we don't agree with. I don't know. I one of the things so there is the moment in the negotiation where Osiris says. Something about like, but that's in the past. Like we have to, we have to move, you know, we can't be held captive by what, what we've done in the past. We just need to kind of put that aside so that we can forge this new future essentially is what she's mm -hmm. saying. Um, which is something that the United States does all the time. Um, and, you know, we don't want to confront our past or like the, the somewhat, you know, like sketchy nefarious things that, that our nation maybe has done in the past. We don't want to talk about those things. We kind of just want to, put them under the rug and pretend they didn't happen. And there's, there's like a happy medium, right? So when, um, so the, the, the thing that keeps coming into my mind would be the notion of grace, you know, so you have grace, which is unmerited favor. So you don't, you like someone is extended grace, regardless of what they've done. It's not, it's not because it's deserved or because it's just, it's grace. Right. Um, but, and a lot of people want to talk about, you know, when you have a conversion experience and all the things that were in the past don't matter anymore. 
and you have this clean slate. Well, but that's not true, right? It's it's not true. The things that we've done in the past do matter, and mm-hmm. and they have had an impact. But we don't need to be held captive by them. So I was trying to think, like, what are the ways that you know? So the Emerald Chain, like, that's why you have to have things like restitution, or you have like mm-hmm. the Truth and Reconciliation uh, hearings that happened in South Africa, or you have, you know, you just have ways that you confront. And confess, because confession is super important as well. Like when, when uh, in recognizing the harms that past behaviors have done, but then not being just stuck in that. Because I, I also know I can think of instances where um, civilizations become completely <coughs> dominated by the narrative of this terrible thing that happened this really oppressive, awful thing that happened, and they just get trapped in that narrative and no one is able to move beyond it and no healing happens. So they're... Anyway, I just found this that this the way they were doing this negotiation just made me start thinking, like, how what are the ways that we can put the past behind us, but also change? And anyway, there were just there were so many things happening in that conversation. I I really like the framing that you have where Osiris can essentially take the role that Starfleet has typically had in in Star Trek of representing America and and you know the, the 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 means justify the ends justify the means is essentially how I would sum up the Emerald Chain's point of view um, in this in the, in the burn times and I think where I saw this negotiation the two sides of it kind of coming up was Vance being a moral absolutist saying you know them's the rules and and we cannot bend them we have to have these basic rules you know like and and to take a very extreme example you mentioned the slavery aspect you can't have slavery in the federation come on so like there, there was that and where osiro is coming from is again the point you summarized really well about you know we can't be held captive to the past so i'm not going to try to resummarize that but it was more kind of a pragmatic way forward however i think one key thing that somebody online and, and i i started a conversation about this on reddit and and someone brought up is that Osira, at the end of the day, is unwilling to see a place in which she does not have influence. And when she sees that influence and power drain away, that's when she pulls back. It's interesting that you went on the opposite side of that, Bill, where you're thinking Vance sabotaged the negotiations by pulling a chain that he thought already definitely existed on Osira. Whereas I think I'm more on the side of Osira being willing to help people have all these magnanimous, happy goals. But when it comes to personal sacrifice, and especially sacrificing power, let alone criminal responsibility, she draws the line and says, ah, that's, that's too much of a bridge I can't cross. And where we end up at the end of this episode then is two people who want really good things for trillions of people around the galaxy, unable to make that good thing happen because both of them can't sacrifice a certain thing that they hold very close to their individual selves and so nobody gets helped because both of them can't make that little sacrifice not a lot little it's very significant for the two of them but Mm -hmm. it's it's one of those the needs of the few outweigh the needs of the many 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 people Mm -hmm. um at the end and that's the like fundamental tragedy of what happens at the end of this episode just the way i saw it now it's Mm -hmm. much more thrilling and interesting if if we take what we've been talking about where it's vance you know, perpetuating violence to, for some end, 
and I, I, I don't know. It's I, This is why I think the writing in this episode is so brilliant. We've all come up with so many different conclusions based on this. There are some people yeah. online who are kind of where Rudy is, where it's like, I'm glad Vance saw through Osiris' ploys and like put her <laughs> out the door and, and you know, it, it, don't believe her. Uh, a little bit of um, backstory to kind of give you a little bit more of a prompt to discuss this a little bit further. I, over the last two episodes of The Ready Room, we had Janet Kidder t- uh, two weeks ago and then Jonathan Frakes in the last one. They talk about how Osaira is genuine about her desire to help people. She cares about her people. She wants to do what's best for them. And she genuinely wants peace. She wasn't lying. When Eli said she's not lying, he was right. And and by the way, Eli. Anyway, uh, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it's so so both of these parties did or at least we know Osaira did come to this negotiation genuinely wanting peace, and so it, it, I think that it's kind of interesting that they don't answer that in the show anywhere. That you got to watch the ready room to figure that out. But I think it's pretty important. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think some of that will probably be more apparent in whatever happens in. The hope is you part two, um, but is that what next week's episode is? Yeah, uh-huh. at, at least if, if memory alpha is to okay, be believed, okay. I, I, that's oh, all I changed the name. Yeah, okay, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that's what they changed it to. Okay, okay, but sp- spoiler alerts for next week, I guess. Retroactive. <laughs> um, I don't know what I was saying. I'm so sorry. Oh no, I I don't know that I had a point beyond that. <laughs> yeah, and and just to just to come back to. What I was trying to say, it was not so much that Osaira was Osaira was trying to be deceitful in that negotiation. She just was in a difficult position, right? Mm. So, um, if 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 whatever has been written into her character in the future has been, it's already written, and she is essentially going to be made out to be a decent person at the end, and it is what it is. But you know, it, she wants peace, and she also potentially wants, you know slavery to exist for up to 15 years more right um and I, she and does I, not i think that, we have to say that you can't say decent person in anything i would call her more of like a <laughs> joseph boris tito type dictator who created peace but whose means were good maybe intentions, a little sorry yeah, yeah good intentions i think that's what you said right um so well that's, that's wanted the best for the people out. let's put it that way yeah okay anyway, keep yeah, going sorry keep yeah, your drop yeah yeah, yeah. Which people though, right? The ones that are not being enslaved, obviously, right? If you're enslaved, it's not. A Although good deal. I think the the fifteen year walk back was about the. Um, it's uh, the fifty world. Prime right? directive. Yeah, stuff, yeah, it's right? the prime directive stuff. It's yeah. not the the uh, slavery. Unless I'm assuming that goes away too, right? That can't exist, right? Like no, but, I think she said that the slavery, like that. I, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she said, well. yeah, yeah, that that, that was that it's stop. done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that it stops. Like they just get yeah. freed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, she she did have several concessions. And yeah, so like the, the stickler for her really is the uh, I have I to still have influence power. in this in this new world. But why not do it like five years ago? Why now? Um, because you're out of Dalithium. I mean, that's where I don't get the good. She didn't know where from. the Federation was, because uh, remember, Federation HQ has been a secret location this whole yeah, time. Yeah, so she they would have never been in a place to negotiate with her, maybe. Or and and, the, and she now has the chip with the spore drive. Anyway, Bill. Yeah, and, and I think the dilithium thing is a big motivator. I think that was right, right? They're running out of dilithium, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and I guess the, the reality is that uh, without Discovery's presence, 
there's not necessarily as obvious a reason for them to join forces. Uh, whereas now, because it, like because the discovery exists, they can solve the dilithium problem permanently. That takes away the needs for there being that resource war of dilithium itself, and they can instead have something that can like they will both clearly benefit if they can reestablish a galactic wide network of ships that are able to travel back and forth without using the transwarp tunnels, without using the slipstream drive or with um, like warp drive itself. Like the the discovery enables something that wasn't possible before. So maybe her points, like if discovery wasn't there, she might've continued her quest to just find more dilithium and go to war if necessary to increase her resources. Yeah. And for me, even before, right. Um, I always thought that Osara had to step down one way or the other, either the hard way or, you know, do it herself. And that's why I thought Rin could be, a good, you know, talked about regime change and, you know, it could oh, yeah. be a replacement, right? Um, and then he's gone. So I, I, maybe it's the Aurelio guy. I don't know. But I, I completely agree with Vance's stance. He, he also may end up being a total bad mineral, but you can't build um, a treaty of peace with her still being in power, right? That That goes against the whole concept of peace to me, so... But I, so the, the, I, don't, I don't know that it, maybe I'm t- being too literal about this, but of, but you have to, of course you have to, right? I mean, unless she's like a saint, who is going to do that, right? If you are negotiating with North Korea to give up their nuclear weapons and you say, okay, that sounds good. And Kim Jong-un, you have to go on trial. What? Of course, you're destroying them. That's never going to happen, right? He's going to say, you know, I want to be pardoned for all my crimes indefinitely. I want, you know, a general's pension and my own private island to start, you know. And uh, so, so who, what leader, you know, would would say, okay, I'll go on trial. It would never happen. Yeah, I, I think that this kind of, we're, we're getting into, uh, so the, the uh, in the 24th century, we just take for granted that the Federation exists and that everyone has the, all the same compatible types of government and whatnot. And it was... Of we should all be like the Federation because like they were able to do it, but we we never actually saw them like doing really hard work to make something happen in the way that we're gonna. I think we're going to get to see in Discovery now, where like okay, a feder- the Federation is a good thing. How do we go from this place where we have like authoritarian governments, people that have made really awful decisions and like made really bad cha- like choices in order like how do we go from there? To towards peace and it it probably does mean shaking hands with some dictators with the understanding that they're going out of power at some point in the future maybe they still get to be there for x number of time maybe they get to be pardoned or whatever like the united nations yeah like we have to be comfortable with 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 governments that maybe are reprehensible to us uh on their structure and and with people that have that have done really bad things if that means stability and a better future yeah, but, I think a better example, built your point, would not be North Korea. It would be making peace and bringing Taliban into the mainstream of Afghan politics, right? So, but I think there's a slight difference there. Uh, and I am trying to wrap my mind around how Asaira could be perceived as the future Taliban that accepts things and concessions and, you know, women's rights and all of that. And you bring him in. Um, it's just... I don't see that connect. Maybe she was introduced in 
too one-sided a way for me to backtrack from that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, I think that's the... essentially my problem is that it, it you have to kind of forget some of that early stuff to get to where we are now. But you can't, right? Like this is yeah. this, but this is this is the thing. I think that that changes Discovery season three, depending on what next episode shows us, from what previous Star Trek has been about. Previous Star Trek has been in this negotiation. There would be some like convenient way where Osiris reveals she's a twin, and the other Osiris was doing bad stuff. So you can like easily make a deal. Or Vance turns out he he saw through Osiris' bullshit, and Osiris is still a killer. She like tries to stab him at the end, and Vance is proven right. Like there are no consequences. Yeah. Like it, the path forward is utopian. It is perfect, and the choices are easy, and which reflects mm. the kind of enthusiasm and optimism of the eighties and nineties, right? Like it. it there was one side that was good and one side that was bad. And I think what this negotiation for me, what it does is it brings in that like complex thing of, you know, I talked about the sacrifice element before, but to what you were saying, Rudy, how do you like sit down and say like, you know, the Taliban are going to like go back to their horrible treatment of a lot of people, uh, women being first and foremost on that list. But like there's a lot of bad stuff that happens if you if you go for peace. But in a, some way, is that good for the rest of that country, which doesn't then see conflict? Like those are the big questions that diplomats are facing right now, right? In these negotiations. Yeah. What do you do? How how do you how do you even what, what what's the cost benefit in analysis when you're looking at two horrible outcomes and i like that star trek is exploring that it's going to be interesting to see yeah. where they sit on the end of that i kind of wanted us to talk a little bit about what we would have done i've already heard a few of you say what you would have done in this negotiation but maybe emily if you can like tell us what what, what, what would your conclusion to this negotiation have been gosh i don't know like i because i found I found myself so okay. I have a tendency to really try so hard and to believe in the good in people. And so, if I were to have someone like Osira come to me, like just in good faith, like, hey, I want to negotiate peace, like, I'm not here to destroy the Federation. I told them to spare all of the people you know the bridge crew on discovery they are not to be harmed and you know and all of this stuff in good faith i came here because i want to have a conversation we cannot exist the way we are currently existing we need to make some major concessions and she made some huge concessions and i i i am intrigued bill by your uh thought that vance uh basically dropped a bomb on the negotiation there at the end and and just sabotaged it with what because yeah. i i um because I found myself thinking, oh, my God, like like they were so close. Like, I think yeah, it actually could have happened. And then he said that. And I was like, oh, should should he have done that? Like, so and, and it's because I want to believe in the good in people. But then obviously, Osira was really effing pissed after that. And she went and killed Rin. Like, I think that's why she killed Rin. I don't mm -hmm. think it's because I think it was in a fit of rage. It was mm -hmm. like. I just like, like, it's not good enough that, that you're going to, you know, book was like, I'll show you where the dilithium is. You don't need to worry about this anymore. She was like, okay, you know what? Screw it. I'm just, I just need to do something because I cannot believe that this fell through, you know? Cause I think she yeah. believed yeah. that she was about to, um, they were about to get somewhere with that and that maybe the negotiation was going to work. And I don't know. But, but it was all a ploy though. Right. I mean, not, not, her intent, but how she found the Federation, right? She had a decoy fleet deployed, right? Right. Um, 
she didn't know there was dilithium in the Viruban Nebula or source of the burn. She wanted the spore drive. She got it. We didn't know her intentions when she was heading towards the Federation, right? It's just that conversation that indicates to us that there's good intent, right? In Asaira. Mm-hmm. Um, so. But the yeah. di- dilithium is irrelevant now for her. Like, if, if she does get the spore drive, and if the spore drive is something that is replicatable across, uh, like, mm. an entire fleet, they, they don't need what's at the center of the of the Verubin Nebula anymore. That's true. But we don't know if that's, you know, one year away, 20 years away. Yeah, but it, it's it's a kind of thing where uh, I, I think she sees an opportunity to, uh, when she realized what, what Discovery could do, there's an opportunity to uh, make concessions. And yeah, maybe the next few years are going to be bad, but we know that at the end of it, we're going to be able to reestablish galactic communication and uh, build something that's longer lasting. What does she need the Federation for though? I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting now. So uh, she, she, had... she talks about that. It's, it's not helpful to have these sort of separate fractious uh, empires that are, are ultimately going to crumble. Like she's making a gamble that it's better for everyone to unite and pool their resources. Be- because, because if she doesn't want that, she could just take the spore drive, use her scientists and mass produce, right? She yes. But, the but then it would, it would be sort of a, uh, a hostile thing that might invite war uh, mm. against her empire when maybe the if she has a way to get peace out of this maybe that's the way forward and that's interesting and that's something one either buys or does not yeah mm. good yeah, call I, good I, I'm, I'm, I am very intrigued to see what, what happens next week yeah I, I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, the past 30 minutes but we need, do need to move on <laughs> to the next uh <laughs> piece of this otherwise we're never gonna go i think we could talk about this negotiation for hours and hours but um the b plot now was burnham on discovery book and burnham uh slam into the shuttle bay i guess hal opened the shuttle bay doors you know there was a little astronaut outside discovery being like hal close the shuttle bay doors the ship got close the shuttle bay doors hal <laughs> i can't do that dave and then burnham and book slam into the ship and we it's interesting how that an order by Asira not to harm the bridge crew then places them in a position to actually have this rebellion, uh, which which wouldn't have happened if they were held in like the brig with tighter custody. Uh, it's by the way, did y'all notice that that like not Nielsen character whose name I forget, the dark haired lady was in the bridge crew. I was just like, why are you here? Like, where's Nielsen? I was very confused by that. Yeah. <laughs> Ariam shows Poor up Nelson. like, hello, I'm, I'm subbing in this week. Um, <laughs> just got promoted to the bridge crew. I'm right. Ariam's sister. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, what did y'all think about this B-plot? I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I thought the I love you scene was fine. I bought it. Um, it didn't. It wasn't like super touching, but I, I didn't. I was it was basically it. Han and Leia, wasn't it? Like you know, I love yeah, you. I know. Yeah. I mean, essentially, right. like I heard you say it in your sleep. You know, like no yeah, surprise. yeah. Um, and I thought the I thought the action scene with the bridge crew, you know, retaking the room was fun. I really liked the action scene with Burnham, you know, opening the the shuttle bay doors, you know, and blasting all the people out into space, and. Um, I th- but man, the uh, the regulators are just terrible soldiers. Man, those guys are worthless, um, and they <laughs> like look Star like Wars they look like Power Rangers. 
Um, <laughs> we do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> and, uh, but and my my final thought is that I really liked the um, interaction between Burnham and Stamets at the end. Um, it felt like some real conflict that you could understand, and they both had clear kind of justified motivations. And it's the kind of thing that I, I guess they're trying to like write Burnham's wrongs from the past, or it's like another chance for her to, to kind of make the right call. Um, this type of dilemma usually does not come up in Star Trek or they just hand wave it. The captain like kind of, uh, uh, you know, makes the, the kind of convenient call that seems irresponsible, but then everything turns out right in the end. Um, but they're not doing that here. They're really addressing the conflict head on. And I thought it was handled well. <clears throat> Anthony Rapp in general, I think had a very strong episode, even in his interactions with Aurelio. He has a great actor. Yeah. I loved his interactions with Aurelia. I mean, we could talk about that more a little bit later, but I thought I I really liked how they, how they did that. And I felt like it was kind of cracking um, hard exteriors on both characters, you know, just yeah. the way they, the way they interacted. And, you know, I found myself being um, going back to Burnham. I found myself kind of wanting to shake Michael because I was buying Osira's uh, mm. negotiation. And so I was like, you don't wait, you all don't quite understand what's going on here. Like, I wish everyone had more information. Like, you just wonder how much yeah. are they working against what could potentially be a good outcome? Um, who's sabotaging what? And anyway, I, I found myself yeah, being that, stressed out by that. The the negotiation made like the, re the B plot so compelling for me because I... I like, while I'm questioning, like, is Osiris legit? Is Vance legit? I'm also saying, like, wait, Michael, maybe, maybe stop. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> no, like, bridge crew, maybe, like, sit down quietly. And, yes. like, and because, that's... like, yeah. I, I mean, definitely some of the regulators and, like, stupid bad con, like, yes, he should be thrown out of an airlock or whatever. <laughs> that should be, like, yeah, maybe uh, as long as we throw him out of an airlock, then uh, maybe that's the concession that we can make uh, while keeping Osiris in power, and that's how they transition or whatever. We, but, we, we said it like, when he showed up, by the way, that, that he, they should have killed him but instead of like being like, go off into the tundra to die slowly yeah. on your own. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Not, I don't think we're gonna get like the the Lord of the Rings style. Like, the, he has a purpose that is yet to be seen, or whatever. Like, no, he's just gonna kill somebody uh, that we don't need killed later on for no reason. And what's fascinating to me is um, Emily and Adam. I that bit where the negotiations happening in parallel and Burnham's like you know maybe sabotaging the ship or not. Um, I had the completely different perspective where I was like, Burnham, you gotta take control. You gotta finish. You don't slow down. Oh, oh my God, you, you got stabbed in the thigh. Because I felt Vance was conceding too much before he, because when she was, you know, when she was going through mm -hmm. all of that, he hadn't yet called out that he needs Asara to step down. And he yeah, was like, yeah. this looks good. This looks great. I'm like, what the heck's going on? Um, is he just going to say yes? Before he does, Burnham, you got to turn this, the whole thing around. So it's, it's great that the writers were able to offer two whole ways of viewing the episode it's almost like an interactive um choose your own interpretation yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah, it, I, like if I, I at least from my perspective if if burnham returns control of discovery to vance uh, like unequivocally i don't know if he continues with this negotiation in the like it like he i think mm. he 
I, I don't know that he has that he's convinced except by uh the remove the removal of uh discovery like it, he needs to be worrying about the the future of the federation's ability to cross the galaxy yeah, I think there's this there's this not... whole station that the emerald chain has already been trading with the federation outpost if we are to believe that right mm-hmm. um, oh yeah so Sarah uh, mentioned it so. deep space something or some some three something numbers yeah <laughs> So something I think that's important is also important for us to keep in mind with this B-plot is Aurelio's presence, because I, I they, they seem to signal that he's going to have some sort of role in reversing Osiris' fortunes with his presence on that bridge. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm going to stay as you kill Bren, and then ban to his face and reaction like, <gasps> Stamets was right. Um, which I thought was maybe the clumsiest part of this episode, I think, was that whole, like, good guy learns bad stuff at the very end. And you could see that from a mile coming when Stamets is talking to him. However, I think that scene with Stamets and Aurelio is, again, some very compelling Star Trek. And I loved the part where Aurelio hears Stamets' kind of heartfelt thing about his husband and, like... And, and Stamets saying, we have a child, which now, like, <laughs> he's adopted yeah. a, a deer, basically, not officially. I don't know. Who's who's even the record keeper when you've come from 900 years in the past? You can just do whatever you want. Say it's true and it's done. You don't have to register with the government yeah, anymore. This, this the Federation... Data, the sphere data has your has your birth certificate or whatever. Right, so. <laughs> right. The, the Federation president is sitting bound and gagged in Vance's office. It, nothing matters anymore. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> the important thing is... The important thing is that Stamets says all this really touching stuff and Aurelio just turns around and starts like slowly wheeling away and then comes back and starts talking something completely different. Cause And, and that happens right after you think, okay, Stamets is making progress with all of his like, you know, soft talking about Orion and Andorian culture. Like he's making surprise stuff. This is going to happen. No, no, Aurelio's too strong for that. And it's, I loved it. And Ken Mitchell, uh, I, I who has played some Klingons, on Discovery in the past. Mm-hmm. Actor has ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and is in a wheelchair as of last October, I believe. He announced publicly mm-hmm. that he had ALS and, and is in a wheelchair. Star Trek brought him back, and I freaking love it. Um, he did such a good yeah. job. And it was awesome to see him. It was kind of like a Doug Jones moment last week where we got to see Doug Jones without the prosthetics. It was really nice to see Kenneth Mitchell with just like, you know, just him. Which Klingons did he play? The timekeeper and um, was it oh. uh, the one whose ship get, blows up at the end of uh, the first season? K- uh, it was start. Was it Core? Cole. He had the same name Cole. as one of the. Yeah. Core is it, it's from like PLS. His, his dad had no, but I feel like he had the same name. Like he either had the same name. He, He's from the house of either Core or House of Core. Core. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that guy. Right, got it. Yeah. Uh, Klux score. What? Ah. Okay. He's played Cole, Coleshaw, Denevik. He's also played three characters in Lower Decks as well. And um, by the way, speaking of performers without their makeup on, uh, not Nielsen is actually Lieutenant Ina, played by Ava Ava Blackwell, who plays the Osnulis officers on Discovery. She's the, the, the one with the big alien head and all those like little circles oh, in the front mm-hmm. oh yeah so she's so she's that definitely actor. no way to recognize her no <laughs> so I got, 
She, she, she just didn't want eyes. to do the makeup that day. Right? I, yeah, because she's only shown up in Sukal in this episode without the makeup. So I think they were just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do this live. It's okay. Well, and like, actually, they just... killed one of those uh, characters off uh, early on. To, is is that her character that was killed off? The the big head. Yeah, I. Um, because I, I I remember seeing one of them die in uh the first episode I think mm. uh in sick bay, or I guess that's the second episode. Yeah, yeah, declared dead in sick bay. You're right. Yeah, the sciences officer yeah. is declared dead in sick bay, and the bridge officer because there's two of them according to memory yeah. alpha, and yeah, that, like so a blue there one are. And a brown one. Yeah, there, there is, there is the the bridge officer still. So there's still one, but apparently it was just trying to make the other one feel comfortable by wearing a big prosthetic. And now it's like, cool, that one's dead. I can just go back to being Lieutenant Ina. What a relief. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, with that, I think we should just take a break right here. We can come back and continue B-plot discussion uh, or jump onto other things about this episode. The minute you get those doors open, I'll initiate. Sensors will display every life sign that's been in this ship in the last three months. So it'll look like there are thousands of us on board. Should let you get lost in the noise. Move freely for a little while. We'll have to move fast. I'll hold them up as long as I can. I'll help. Wait, what? No, 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 you can't. You can't. Listen, hey, listen. I know that Osira took Discovery on my watch, but I do have a plan. I'm not staying because I don't trust you. I'm staying because you have the best chance for Michael to make it out there alive. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. Hey, look at that. I didn't make the mistake of saying welcome back to Strange New Worlds third week in a row. <laughs> and uh, we're going we're gonna to move on to talking to, about the expansion of the world trek. After watching this episode, initially, I was like, can we even do that? Was there anything new here? I can't even think. And then I did some research, and yes, there was. The first <laughs> thing is, there's the waste that gets turned into replicator uh, food, which... Mm -hmm. uh, Kind of, I, I don't know why Vance brought that up. Like, why he, like, threw that into the middle of this, like, you know, she's talking about all these apples and making all these nice points, and he's like, it's made of shit. Uh, yeah, especially since this is, like, not new technology. It's like, you know this thing that we invented, like, 800 years ago, <laughs> it's made of shit. Like, yes, I I know how a re replicator works. <laughs> I've yeah, seen a sink yeah. before. Yeah. We had the radiation medication that made the wounds disappear. We've seen similar stuff in Trek before, but I just thought mm -hmm. it was um, interesting how the, the medication just doesn't, like, remove the symptoms, but actually fixes everything. Good stuff. You had, the, you had the wheelchair that uh, Aurelio was in, which is kind of a standy model. You know, you stand up mm -hmm. a little bit more. Um, you, I There are wheelchairs like that, I believe, which... Uh, uh, in in the world out there today, right? Like where where you kind of have a more standing position rather than kind of the more traditional seated mm -hmm. position. So, yeah. um, kind of nice to see Star Trek representing some of that. Um, we have the sphere data dots, uh, each with its own division color. That was nice. And yeah. the, uh, we talked about the dots last week. Uh, Emily pointed them out, so we had a short discussion. And here they are being very relevant. Yay! Also, they <laughs> yeah. were voiced by. Annabelle Wallace, who plays Zora. Ah, nice. Yes. So, so that's kind of an interesting little thing. I still, I don't know how they're gonna bring Zora and the the stuff from Calypso into Discovery. And it's, I bet the writers are just like, we've got this in our back pocket, and we can do it anytime we want. So, anyway, uh, we had 
the Kima's species, which is Kima is the little girl in oh, Children yes. of Mars. The That's one where of the two I saw her girls. from. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the yes. regulator who gets blown out of the airlock and is shown shattered mm-hmm. holding boots uh, is from Kima's species. Uh, mm-hmm. Essentially looks like somebody, Oof. you know, poked someone's face a whole bunch. I have trouble every time that alien species shows up. It makes me very uncomfortable. But uh, anyway, uh, there was also the Federation president. Bill, what do you think's up with the Federation president, huh? I think we actually all know who the Federation president is. <clears throat> it's it's, it's Admiral Vance, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, who, it's not totally clear, but I think that's what they're hinting at, right? I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, it's, yeah, it's, I got to check mentioned. with the president on that one. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, sure. it's been mentioned yeah. way too much for us to not see someone. And I, I like, I think they're going to go by the rules of uh, mention uh, Lorca a whole bunch, and he's just <laughs> yeah. like not there because he doesn't exist in this universe anymore. Like, yeah. Well, but that's that's say- why he's not there. He's the Federation president in the thirty second century. So. <laughs> Sure. If that's the way we get Prime Lorca, I'm okay with it. <laughs> it's it's actually Takuvma. Takuvma is the is the Federation president now. Plot twist. <laughs> Man, we, we should be writers on Discovery. Right. <laughs> what what if it's the Traveler from TNG and Wesley like is his like sidekick? Oh my goodness! Wait, is it Takuvma and the Traveler like combined, like <laughs> like like two bits? Like t- <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, chance we had of becoming uh, Star Trek writers is gone now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we also heard some stuff about Andorian singing. Yeah, hey, their antenna—they make more resonance, so that's pretty cool. You can hear four overtones. I just don't know how they were able to play Andorian music in this episode. Did, have they found Andorian somewhere and were like able to record it? I don't know. But Star Trek know, is real, so that's the answer. It is. It is. <laughs> the historical documents, yes. <laughs> One bit of trivia that I found bumping around online. This episode has the longest star date to date in franchise history. 291414292.1. This star date appeared in the proposal for a galactic armistice between the that that uh, Osiris showed, and it, uh, I'm just glad Bill Shatner isn't in this episode. Otherwise, the whole episode would just be like start date two nine one four one four two nine point one, and that'd just be it. Roll <laughs> credits. So, um, but uh, okay, character development. Which characters do y'all want to talk about in terms of something you've learned or changes? Osiris is an obvious one. We've discussed that already. Others. I I would just say I liked during the negotiations uh, towards the end, Vance um, has this little impassioned bit where he's talking about the kind of the struggles the Federation has had with its identity since the burn and his own personal struggles and the decisions he's had to make and stuff like that. And I think that had all been kind of implicit so far, but I thought that was, that was really nice and worthwhile to have him kind of show some emotion. It explains why he put the president in a box in his room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're we're really curious to see what happens Those are the decisions he was talking about. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, going back to Vance, I I was grateful that he was 
the tactical mind of the Federation in trying to figure out, ooh, look, the, the Asada's ship has a mycelial signature as well, so um, they jumped together, so there's something fishy going on there. And then, oh, Asada deployed the fleet uh, at Kaminar, um, so why is she here? No, wait, she is here. And so he's the one making all those decisions and, and figuring all that stuff out, so good on him, I guess. But again, that whole president bit... Uh, yeah, we'll it it is good we, to see good seeing like characters that aren't like our main bridge crew or whatever being competent, which is like I- even when we have bad morals, like they're usually just like dopes uh, <laughs> that like get thrown out an airlock at some point or whatever. But like, uh, yeah, I was feeling shades of that line in First Contact when Data says, uh, "Believing oneself to be perfect is often the sign of a delusional mind." You know, like just like you felt mm. like he was kind of trying to catch Osira in something. There were a few moments where I just had that way Brent Spiner says that line. I kind of felt like that was kind of coming out a little bit with Vance. Yeah. We did not see any Saru or any Wilson Cruz in this episode, by the way. Because they're all yeah, I really off. want to know what's going on with them or Adira. Well, and, and what what I appreciated is that even though we didn't have those characters, the relationships our characters that we did see have with them were like compelling enough that we like really cared what was happening with them, uh, which yeah. I yeah. which I thought was really well done in this episode. Like there was a a lot of um, like. I, I don't know if we if it makes sense to like do Stamets and Burnham at the same time or something like that. But like the the scene that they that Stamets and Burnham have at the end is just so heartbreaking where you like we have a bit of a hint for laying groundwork for Captain Burnham while also sort of seeing like like uh Stamets is not gonna be okay at the end of this with with their relationship. If even the, if this is sort of a like if it turns out that this was all for the bet for the best and like Adira did save the day and like everything comes back and is totally fine. Like there was a huge break of trust, but like I can see the perspective of both characters of like why they had to do or why they had to argue things in a certain way. Well, and I, do you feel that, I mean, I felt that Michael like truly felt what Stamets said when he said like, do you understand? Like my whole life is on that planet. Like, and I almost felt like she felt that in a, in some ways hers was too, you know, I don't know, just, and I know she and Saru have a very, very close relationship. I just go back to thinking um, the scene when he goes through the, what are they, what's it called? His evolution that he went through last season. Yeah. Vaharai. When he went through the Vaharai and just, uh, what happened between the two of them was really poignant. And, yeah. and I just, so I kind of felt like that was informing some of her emotion in that scene too. Yeah. But it, it's, it's nice to see Burnham make like a really deep personal connection with someone. And it's not, I mean, maybe it is still about achieving her ends, but I, I didn't get quite the sense that this is the usual Michael of like, she mm-hmm. made a decision and just like, by golly is just gonna like make it happen like she understood what she was asking of somebody and like really struggled with going through with it and and it was not just a straight impulse thing that we've seen before Mm -hmm. i forgot to mention it before but those that little force field thing that he's ejected out of the ship while being in uh, is also new, and it's kind of interesting to see that like immediately get picked up by a tractor beam and yanked into the headquarters. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of interesting little little piece over there. 
Um, I want to talk uh, briefly about Buck and I his little scene with Tilly, where she doesn't trust him. She thinks she he's he's gonna undermine her authority as captain when he starts saying like I'm gonna stay here. She thinks like oh he's he's making his own plans. He's taking charge, and instead he comes and says no. It's because I trust you and what you're doing that I want to buy you some time. I think you're the best chance Michael's got of pulling this off. And I, I really love that little exchange that they had as well. Mm-hmm. I think he had good intera- interactions with all of the captive bridge crew. It, uh, I think they were trying to integrate him into conversations and operations of Discovery um, a lot in the last two episodes, and I think it, it finally clicked. Um, mm-hmm. Also, he, I do remember, it was him, right, who, who said, go save the day, Michael, or something to that effect, right? yeah. Tilly, again, got her magnum opus as captain um, in, in this episode. I, I enjoyed all of her uh, kind of contributions to the plan, the way she's kind of taking charge of the situation. I, I also appreciated that there was a little bit of self-consciousness in there with, with that incident with Book. And I think it fleshes out and makes her into a more real kind of character. And... I, I don't know what's going to happen with this whole Saru, Michael, and Tilly all being potential captains situation. Uh, They'll just trade forward. off every single season. <laughs> like, no, season four, it has to be you, Tilly. And then in season five, it'll be Michael. I mean, you joke, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I agree that... Um, Tilly's character and her development in the writing has been really good the past two or three episodes. But I, I, I honestly, I just think it's dumb that they made Tilly the first officer. Like, she's an ensign. That's super insulting to all the other officers who, like, I've been, you know, in Starfleet for 20 years, like, working super hard and I'm super competent. And they just made an ensign, my boss. <clears throat> Maybe that's why Ina showed up is because Nielsen stormed off the bridge. She's like, I'm not going to take orders from probably. Tilly. <laughs> yeah, yeah she, probably. she's been the one actually pulling the shifts uh, sitting in the captain's chair. So, yeah. <laughs> I got to say, so I've been listening to a couple other podcasts and everyone makes the joke, oh, Tilly was the captain and how long was it before the ship got taken over? And I totally am resenting those remarks. Like, it was not Tilly's fault that the ship got taken over. Mm-hmm. That ship was going to get taken over regardless of who was in the captain's chair. Just like when people want to say that Deanna Troy is the reason that the Enterprise D crashed, it was not her piloting skills. In fact, maybe her piloting skills helped the crash not go as badly as it could have. So let's stop crapping on Deanna Troy for her piloting skills. Okay, got that off my chest. Yeah, she she crashed it better than they did in Beyond. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> There you go. Mm-hmm. Style points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's again, I think it's the next episode is going to tell us a little bit more about this. Uh, finally, we should talk about the fact that our beloved bridge crew who have been, you know, mostly saying things like, oh, they're hailing us, have finally got some, like, stuff to do, and they're yeah. all badasses. Mm-hmm. That's good. Do that I need to start tapping on the mic to, like, signal to y'all what I want y'all to say next uh, <laughs> well we but... knew they were badasses in the mirror universe right so it was kind of fun to get to see them do that without it being a mirror universe <laughs> driving that plot you know yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and and it was it was. I love that when, when he was like what were you tapping it was just like keep tapping <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that was so yeah. great <laughs> but, I really uh, want to see those actors get 
higher credits. You know, like I want to see their names in the opening credits. I I'm sad that they're so relegated to like you know. Anyway. Do, do they even all have full names yet? Yeah, like they have the uh, well. Well, the, so so they, they have, we've heard Bryce. I'd, like, does Bryce have a last name, or is that his last name? Or that is his last <laughs> name. His name is R. A. Bryce, and it's Ronald Altman Bryce. Um, the jo- Joanne Owosekun is Owo. Uh, yeah. We've got I knew her name. J- Rice Isaac or Reese. Wait, what? Now yeah. I'm confused because they, 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 they didn't. Said, wrong. He said yeah. Rice last week. Uh, Saru yeah. said said it wrong last week, but. His name is Jen or Gen Reese. Uh, so, so he has a name too, and, uh, but Ina doesn't. So, Why don't they have a breakaway episode with just these, like some planet survival training yeah, we could, right? episode? Yeah, yeah we could, we could That's going to come in season four. It has the to, yeah. We don't have enough. Discovery Lower Decks, except not the Lower Decks because they're literally <laughs> in charge of the ship. <laughs> because hopefully this, so like hopefully this next episode is going to wrap up this story. I have really, one of the things I have really appreciated about Discovery is that they wrap up the story at the end of the season and they don't mm-hmm. leave us with a big cliffhanger. Like they leave us with this little teaser of what, what might come in the next season, but it's mm-hmm. not a cliffhanger. And I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that that's what they do this time too, that they wrap this story up. And then next season we can do a nice mission on an away mission on the planet with the bridge crew and get to learn more about them and not kill them off at the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't say things like that and put it into my <laughs> mind. Cause yeah, I will worry, but uh, okay. 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 <laughs> Uh, I was just referring else? to, uh, you know, uh, yeah. what's her face? Arium. They did that. Arium. That's what they did with Arium. So anyway. Yeah, that was kind of sad. But then they brought Nielsen back. So at least the actor has, you know, yeah. back on the show. So <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. Well, anything else with There is a Tide that y'all want to talk about before I move on? Yeah, just, just one thing that I would call out. So Michael does the Mayday to her mom. Right mm-hmm. when she's in the Jeffrey's tube, mm-hmm. so there's going to be you know there's going to be payoff for that. Michael's mom is going to show up probably next episode and yeah, the, save the day or something. Well, yeah, like the uh, uh, my wife Jenny actually just uh, when she did that, she's like, "Oh, Vulcan's going to show up next uh, next episode, and we're going to like for like that'll be the forming of the Federation again or whatever." Is although I, that was before we had the the reveal that the. Um, uh, that the Emerald Chain actually wants to be part of the Federation too. So, like, I, I, I'm wondering if we're just gonna we're gonna bring all the boys back. And by boys, I don't mean that in a gendered way or something. <laughs> get get the band back together. Yeah, get the band that, back. That's back a really together. interesting yeah, speculation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I hope it isn't kind of a neat bow though. Like we don't have the Vulcan, uh, the 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 uh, sorry, the Cardassians and the Klingons showing up as well, and they're just like in yeah. the background. Like then they were here too. Uh, you know, I I hope that there's, I I think that there is gonna be more work to do, and it's, I don't know. Part of me is like, are they gonna they gonna show us the Federation being formed at the end of this next episode, or is it gonna be just that Osiris gets away and that the next season is kind of the hard work of that, you know? Mm. Um, I, I'm all for Star Trek, like, showing the hard work, because I, I I think that the purpose of Star Trek is kind of like, hey, here's what's wrong with society now. Like, here are some steps for what we should be thinking about of, like, how to improve things. And, like, I, mm-hmm. I love that th- this might be where we're going. We don't need to... We we don't know how to arrive at the future that we long for in Star Trek. We need someone to lay it out for yeah. us, you know? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right. Well, I will move us along by telling you that next week's episode is, as was mentioned before, named That Hope Is You Part 2. As you will recall, I made fun of the fact that the first episode of the season was called That Hope Is You Part 1, and there was no Part 2. And, well, here it is. It's the next episode, which is... This feels right. Yeah. It was It was previously yeah. named Outside, which is still, like, I feel like the... the 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 title outside tells us more about what's in the next episode than that hope is you part two, although now it suggests that maybe Burnham's gonna just wave a magic wand and everything's gonna be okay, or maybe Aditya Child shows up again. That'd be nice. It's, wouldn't it? it's called outside because Burnham uh, vents all of all of the discovery, <laughs> just kills everyone on the ship. There's some venting, I'm sure. <laughs> the galaxy ends. Burnham's the only one left. So, um, anyway, inversion of the trope. Okay, uh, let's 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 get your strange new ratings. Who wants to stick their neck out and put a rating that I can add to the spreadsheet? Uh, I'm just gonna start right out the gate here. Uh, this one gets a ten. Uh, like we we complicated characters that were one dimensional. Uh, we get a compelling story as we just like couldn't stop talking about it. It was just. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything about this was just great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to give it, I, I want to give it a 10, but I kind of, or, or no, I can't give it a 10 because I don't do on a 10 point scale. I do on a five point scale. I wanted to give it a five, but uh, then I wanted to give it a 4.5 with the anticipation of what happens next episode. Cause I feel like what happens next episode can inform how good yeah, this episode we, we was. Second, I don't know. So I'm going to, I, I kind of feel like I want to reserve my final score. So for now we're going to go 4.5 with the potential for a five. Okay. Okay. I will do 9.5 dots. Out of 10 dashes, <laughs> if you see what I did there. Dots, dashes, yeah. more yeah. Um uh, The only thing that, that didn't work for me, and, and actually I got more insight into that scene from you guys, was the extent of emotional trauma Stamets went through. And I was I was concerned that if Michael wasn't there, he would have he would have gone, right? Like he would have taken the ship to save those people. Um, so that was a little questionable to me, but I get it. Um, but yeah, best episode I've seen so far in in this season of Discovery for sure, maybe even beyond. Man, high praise. Um, I'm going to give it eight invigilators out of ten. That, <laughs> it's such that, a strange title. That's Yeah, uh, it is a very strange title. Yeah. Um, what is yeah. it, invigilator again? It's oh I had to Google it. It's somebody who who monitors test taking activity to make sure there's no cheating. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Interesting. It's a very uh, common term in Indian education. Keep they keep roaming the halls to make sure people don't cheat. We I think the term used in India is invigilator. I don't know. I don't know if it's a uh, K or a G. I don't know. But um, I, I trust you, Rudy. I Yeah, <laughs> like English I said, is my second language. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was really solid. I mean, it just, it, and I don't really have a lot of legit critiques, except it just, I don't know, didn't like really, really grab me. And on the second viewing, I was kind of less, you know, compelled than I was the first time around. <clears throat> I'm going to go with Adam to round it out with a 10. I, I just, 
it hit all the notes. I want to watch it again. I haven't had a chance to. I haven't had the time to. This yeah. is out, out of all the episodes we watched so far. This is only the second ten I've given after Lord X episode five. So we'll see if how often I do this. If I find myself giving too many of these tens, need to maybe rethink my my system here. But anyway, with that, I want to thank you, Bill, Emily, Rudy, Adam, for being here today. Thanks, Thanks Nadj. Thank no <laughs> Thanks problem. Nadj. Thank you, Max and Dinah, wherever you are. Hope you all listen to this episode someday and have some conversation with us about this negotiation. Love to hear your point of view as well. And you, listener, we'd love to hear your point of view about this episode. If you want to reach out to us at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, do that. There's a lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, thanks, Jishnu Guha, for writing our theme well uh, i keep making this mistake you know he didn't write our theme music jerry goldsmith probably wrote it it's a klingon theme well, but but how did jerry goldsmith know to write that like maybe there's some back in time influence going on yeah Chishnu could have yeah. tachyons yeah right probably yeah. Okay. Okay. Well. Well. Uh, Jishnu did record it though. Uh, I. You know. He. He was able to. 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 To do that for us. So thank you. He's got a podcast called Geek Fruit that you can listen to if you, uh, so choose. And uh, finally, I want to thank Samuel Morse, creator of Morse Code. If If that hadn't been there, there would have been no tapping, no tip tapping, and no regulators getting pushed and you know, stabby stabbed and shot and whatever, you know. So all of this was really made possible back in the 17 and 1800s by Samuel Morse's work. So good job, man. All right, I'll, uh, I'll see you all in a week from now. Bye. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Bye.